Over the past year, I have been so preoccupied with navigating through the challenges this life has brought upon us. In isolation from others, I had also become neglectful towards the things of God. I had somehow put my hands on the steering wheel and given God the backseat to my life. But God has always been that still voice saying to me, if you know the things I have in store for you, you will seek me and know that you don't have to look far because I'm right here with you. He has revealed to me, though this world is ever changing, his love for us always stays the same. He has brought me from a place of isolation into service, community, worship, and most of all, purpose. We celebrate Jesus as we read about his arrival in Luke 2, 8 through 14. That night, some shepherds were in the field outside of the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy to everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly, an angel was joined by the vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. We're the Beaten family, and we celebrate Jesus. Merry Christmas, everyone online, those gathered here in our sites. Would you just give a, a word of gratitude to Janelle and her boys for reading the Advent and uh, sharing the Christmas story with us? So grateful that they did that. Give you an inside scoop a little bit with Janelle. Janelle's not only a great mom, she's a great chef. She's the head pastry chef at Byerly's in Chanhassen. Yeah, just saying. She's about everything sweet and good. Stop by, grab some of her goodies, say hi to her, not all at once, but make your way over. I appreciated her transparency. Um, sometimes these words go by so quickly, but when she said, I have been preoccupied navigating the challenges of this world to the end that I have neglected the things of God. And she knew that she needs to recalibrate her life around the beauty of God. And she did. And she is. And I think it's one of the reasons we love Christmas so much, because it ushers in beauty. It's the beauty of holiday lighting, the beauty of gift giving, of food eating, a favorite of many of yours of people gathering, but especially of God praising. So I just think it's good, right off the top, let's level set why we're here together. And would you join your voices together with mine, and let's declare the beauty of these words, a Savior has been born to me. Say that. 
A Savior has been born to me. Say it again. A Savior has been born to me. Now, would you say it again, but this time? Let's whisper it. A Savior has been born to me. We just need to take in the beauty of why we gather and who we worship. And it is such a gift because this is the promise that's so clear today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And so the invitation in our gathering is to recalibrate your life around the beauty of the Savior. Lest we find ourselves getting so preoccupied with the challenges of this life that we neglect the very things of God, the Savior. Jesus is Savior. It's just one of his many names. There are over 100, there are 198 names given to Jesus in the scripture, 198, because none can contain who he is and what he does for us, but we elevate at this Christmas time that he is indeed our Savior. And Savior is a word that means the one who saves, obviously. It's also translated deliverer or rescuer. So he is the one who delivers us from the darkness of this world that separates us from the very love of God. And his entrance into the, the world and our receiving him into our hearts closes that gap so that we again can have a right relationship with the creator God, our father in heaven. And he came for that purpose, motivated by love. It's a gift. We don't want to just walk by it. We want to stop and pause and receive the beauty of the gift of Jesus, the Savior. Well, you might be familiar with the name of Joshua Bell. Joshua is probably the most um, successful and best violinist in the world today, maybe in history. He is a multi-Grammy award winner. He opened up the Minnesota orchestra season this past September. And over the last two years, he's been in the news quite a bit because during the pandemic, he and many of the classical musicians and friends of his have brought great performances online to those who are shut in. And people have taken notice. I've been blessed by that music as well. Well, a few years ago, the Washington Post wanted to do an experiment with Joshua Bell, asking if he'd be willing to bring his music into the Washington, D.C. metro or subway. And the journalist was seeking to answer the question in a nondescript setting at an inconvenient time would beauty transcend? And Joshua considered it and said yes. And he made his way to the subway in Washington, D.C. I've got an image here you could see. He positioned himself against the wall next to a trash can. There he is looking like an ordinary guy with blue jeans, a long sleeve t-shirt, a, a, a Washington Nationals baseball cap. He took out his violin and took the case, set it before him, threw a few bucks in as seed money, and he began to play. For 45 minutes, he played Schubert and Mozart on his Stradivarius, which is estimated to be worth over $3 million there in that subway. Over 1,000 people streamed by, but hardly any stopped to take notice. After all, it was an inconvenient time. They had places to go and people to meet. They had things to do. It was rush hour. And what's fascinating to me is just three days before he packed out the Boston Symphony Hall and the average seat went for 110 bucks. And here, Bell garnered about 32 bucks from 27 people <laughs> who stopped long enough to receive the beauty of his gift. Here's the point. 
Jesus, the Savior of the world, emerges from heaven in a nondescript manger in a town called Bethlehem. And it was an inconvenient time. Remember, there was no room for him at the inn. And would beauty transcend? That would be the question. And of course, we know the answer. Indeed, yes, beauty does transcend. In fact, it had always been promised so. God always fulfills his promises. And 700 years before Christ was born, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah about the life-giving gifts and the beauty of those gifts and what they would mean to us in the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord that would come for you and for me. It's in Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Beauty transcends in these four gifts. And I want us to consider in the invitation that comes from God, the invitation to recalibrate your life around the Savior and to receive the beauty of the Counselor. After all, we all need counsel. And today, it's not uncommon for somebody to say, related to the need for their counsel, I need to see my therapist. 30 years ago, you would never hear anybody say that they needed to go see their therapist. But today, we've become a little more open about our need for counsel that makes a difference in our lives. And so many people have a therapist. I'm not asking you to raise your hands. But in my generation, 30 years ago, we we would never made that public. But today, our need is made known because it's real. We need counsel. And it's not uncommon, as you get a little bit older anyways, to begin to talk to yourself looking for a little counsel. (laughs) It was my birthday a few weeks ago. And Carrie, I know, just to humor me, decided to give me um, a gift indicating so. She gave me this um, coaster that you put just a glass on. I know, it's really extravagant, isn't it? It was my birthday gift. And... It has words on it, and the words read, me. Sometimes I talk to myself. Me, O-M-G, say. <laughs> so I have a confession. Yeah, I talk to myself. Some of you sing in the shower. I solve problems, okay? And when I'm solving the problems, I'm not trying to find counsel for myself. I know I don't have it. I need a wisdom better than mine. I'm speaking out loud to God. God, help me think through my next step, and what am I going to do here? And so we find that we have Isaiah telling us that we have a counselor who is wonderful. And that word, unfortunately, in the English language, just does no justice uh, in the English language for the intent of it. It's so ordinary. It's just so common. It's so wonderful, you know? Carrie is um, all Swedish. So when we celebrate Christmas with her family, we always have Swedish meatballs. And inevitably, somebody will say, these meatballs are so wonderful. That is not the definition of wonderful as it's attached here to the counselor revealed in Isaiah 9. The word is everything but ordinary. In fact, when you take the word in the context, in the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, you will find that word wonderful arrives in the context where miracles take place. It's heavenly, but it's accessible to us on earth. It is a counsel that is full of wonder. And I think you'd agree with me, would you not? that our world is starving for a wonderful counselor right now. That there's a lot of confusing counsel and it's dividing the world and our country and even our families. And so confusion cries out for clarity. And we know that there's a lot of foolish counsel out there and foolishness cries out for wisdom. And we learn here that Jesus is the very wisdom of God. This is the gift. I know someone here right now needs some good counsel. 
wise counsel. People will come to me for counsel as a pastor. Many people come to you as friends for counsel, but none of us can guarantee that our counsel is wonderful, but he does. So I encourage you to seek your daily advice from the wonderful counselor, for Jesus' wisdom is the beautiful gift of the Savior born to you. Now I'm inviting you on this Christmas gathering to recalibrate your life around the Savior and to receive the beauty of mighty God. And we love might, and we love power. There's something that draws us to power. And I think that's why there's such a fascination today with uh, superheroes um, in our culture. And I'm just out of curiosity, how many of you have already seen Spider-Man, the movie that just came out? Just raise your hand if I could see your hand if you've already gone to Spider-Man. How many of you intend to go see Spider-Man? Raise your hands. All right, good number of you there. It's just been out a short while, but... Believe it or not, it already is the biggest movie of the year. It's the third largest opening of a movie in cinematic history. <laughs> it's huge. And if you look at the Marvel movies, there are 32 of them with 28 different superheroes. Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain Marvel. I officiated a wedding just a few years ago for the daughter of a good friend of mine, and, and she married a guy by the name of Thor. And the bridesmaids came down the aisle, not with flowers, but with Thor hammers, like this big. <laughs> it was astonishing and a little scary when you consider their future. So just again, out of curiosity, who is your favorite superhero? And for some of you, it may not be out of the Marvel series. You may have to go into my time and place where it's Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or whatever the case might be, but I'm going to give you a few seconds. Share with the person next to you who your favorite superhero is. Go ahead online, do it at home, and uh, just take a few seconds together. Okay. I ask you to share who your superhero is, not to unpack the whole movie. <laughs> Let me bring you back to Isaiah, who says our Savior is mighty God, mighty God. I want to I give you this word, mighty. It's, it's translation, mighty, from the Hebrew is El Gabor. And El Gabor means hero, strength, power, warrior. So Isaiah is telling us that Jesus is our El Gabor, our superhero, mighty God, the God of strength. So the baby born in Bethlehem was not simply a good man who did everything right, found favor with God, and so God decided to adopt him as the son of God. Not at all. Jesus of Nazareth was not a human who became God. He was God who became human. So when the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he's not talking about mustering up a strength that he has in his own flesh. He doesn't have it. He's talking about an infusion of supernatural strength that comes when you receive Christ into your life that helps you get through the hardest day and the hardest season of your life because the superhero resides in you. You don't go watch him somewhere when you receive him. He's right in the midst of your life and your journey and right in the midst of your soul and all that you're going through. This is the gift that we have 
And I know that some of you right now could use a supernatural strength to get through maybe this day or Christmas, or maybe a superhero to help you navigate the complexities of what your world entails right now, or maybe some of you are in a real place of actual desperation and you need that superhero. Isaiah makes a promise of a beautiful gift that's life-changing, the promise of El Gabor, Jesus' superhero. And so you find that Jesus' superpower is the gift, the beautiful gift that is given to you through our Savior on this Christmas gathering. So I'm inviting you to recalibrate your life around the Savior and to receive the beauty of the everlasting Father. And all of us, and I mean all of us, really need the presence of a father. It's an important part of our very identity in our life's journey. And I love being a dad. I love being with my kids. I love being able to provide for them all that they need. But I also know that I'm limited in my resources. I simply cannot provide for them everything that they need. I just love being a dad, though. And I love being with them as much as I can be with them but I'm limited by time and schedule and geography. I simply can't be with them as much as I want to be with them. But we need a father who is present where we just know that he's right there with us. And Jesus brings us into this dynamic relationship with our father in heaven and is called himself everlasting father. He will not leave us or forsake us as earthly fathers do. He is not limited in capacity or resources. He knows our need and he provides for that given need. He is not limited in time. He is a 24-7 God according to Psalm 121. He does not sleep or slumber. That when you put your head on your pillow tonight, he will be awake, attending to you, your need. He is present with you through it all. And I've always appreciated the words that are found in the word of God when the Father says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Really? You love me that much? A love that is for today and a love that is everlasting? Listen, I know some of you, just me saying the name dad or father hits some triggers for you right away. There might be a longing for affirmation, words of affirmation from a father. And maybe that never came. Or you want more than what's been given to you. But you can count on our Savior to bring an everlasting love with an everlasting father. It's the promise, and he keeps his promise. Now, Jesus' presence is the beautiful gift of the Savior that has been born to you. So I'm inviting us to recalibrate our lives around our Savior and to receive the beauty of the Prince of Peace. And in the Hebrew, that is Shar Shalom, that Jesus gives a peace wherever he reigns. He is the Prince of Peace. Where he resides, there is a peace that is given to us, and we can all tap into it. I have a great love for nature and environment, and I love to read about these different things, and recently read about oceanographers describing what happens on the sea, on the ocean surface, where it's always so wild, and generally, most of the time, turbulent, and can be scary, it's so difficult. I've been in the open sea several times. Anybody been seasick before when you've been out in the sea? I mean, I mean I've lost my cookie more than two times <laughs> in the journey. I mean, it gets wild and crazy on the surface, but oceanographers say that as you descend into the depths of the ocean, it gets increasingly calm. And when you get to the bottom of the ocean, it's perfectly still. They call it the cushion of peace. 
It's a cushion of peace so still in that environment that they have documented plants that live for hundreds of years because of the stillness. Listen, I know that our lives can be turbulent. They can be really hard and really difficult. And yet there's this promise that comes with Jesus Christ that on the inside, in the midst of all the turbulence, there is indeed a cushion of peace that is given to us. And this gift of peace is something we want to take hold of because Jesus' peace is the beautiful gift of the Savior that is given to you. And right now in my life, I'm experiencing the cushion of peace. Many of you know, some of you are guests, but my mom passed away a few weeks ago. And so this Christmas season, is I'm dealing with a lot of loss and a lot of grief. But on the inside, I know where she is. There's this cushion of peace in the midst of it, but it's still hard in the reality of life that's around me. I have a dear friend whose um, father passed away the same week that my mom passed away and recommended a book to me um, to take into consideration, so I'm reading it. It's by Steve Later. It's a rabbi of the largest synagogue in the United States in Los Angeles. And it's uh, a book, and I'll give you the name of it, is The Beauty of What Remains. And it's about our greatest fear, death, and how it becomes our greatest gift with God. It's about God's agenda not being one of fear, but of peace. And he says something that really captured my attention. He's originally from Minneapolis. He has family in Minneapolis. So my intention is to reach out to him and say, I want a cup of coffee with you in Minneapolis because I got some questions about the book that you wrote. What he said is, I've come alongside as a rabbi over a thousand people in their dying moments. Let me just say that's a lot of dying people. And he says, I have never had one person, not one, be afraid to die. I want a cup of coffee over that one. Not one is afraid to die. In fact, they're ready to die. They have a peace, this cushion of peace. And he goes on to say that it's not that they don't have fears, but their fears are not about dying. The fears are about leaving other people behind and what will life be like for those that are left behind. And then he writes these words. For the living, death is often frightening, sad, and a mysterious stalker in our lives. When someone is really, truly dying, there is no fear, only peace. That's the promise, the beautiful gift that comes for us in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Do you have that cushion of peace? I have a colleague here on our staff at Westwood who lost her mom recently as well. And she wrote me a reflection a couple of weeks ago, and um, I've treasured it. And I thought, I want to share this with you. This is what she wrote. This Advent season, I've been thinking a lot about what my mom said to me the day before she died. Quote, I can't wait to meet Jesus, unquote. She knew her Savior was waiting for her, expectant and joyfully anticipating this moment on the other side of heaven. A moment of beauty and healing in the midst of great pain and loss. She was ready. And then she writes, As I prepare my heart for this Christmas, I'm asking myself, am I ready? Is Christ the true joy of my longing heart? Am I expectant for all that God is doing and going to do through and in me, or do I want to grip the steering wheel of my life and not trust him? Well, what a great question that is. And the answer is abundantly clear. Trust him. 
take the hand off the steering wheel of your life, slide over into the passenger seat, and invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and to take hold of the wheel because he will drive you always, always, always toward life. That is his promise. He is the life giver, the great life giver. So Jesus is Savior. And it implies for us that we need saving. And I pray that you are awakened in your own soul to your need to be saved. And by that rescue that he provides, it's not found simply in those high distress, um, obvious crisis times, like the time Carrie and I were with our three children on a return flight from Florida where we had been to Disney World with our kids. And 30,000 feet in the air, um, our plane lost an engine. And we took a fast, deep dive down, I don't know how many feet, but it was rough and a bit frightening, and then it stabilized um, a little bit, so we weren't diving, but the turbulence was great. I'm an admirer of flight attendants. They are amazing in almost every given situation, with the exception of this one. She was so freaked out. She just was, <laughs> she lost herself completely. But fortunately, the pilot comes up over the microphone system and says, um, we have lost an engine. We will be making an emergency landing, and he's as calm as can be. And everybody who was, I mean, they were screaming and everything else, everything just settled, and they're tuning into his voice. So we'll be making an emergency landing. I'm gonna invite you to prepare for impact, and you'll do that by putting your head between your knees. And we all complied. And we took the hands of our children, and we prayed for rescue and deliverance. But there was a calm as well in the midst of it. Now, those are rare occurrences. But what we're speaking about here, uh, the more frequent reality of our lives is to be need, need to be saved from what Janelle spoke of in our opening Advent reading when she said, I found myself so preoccupied navigating the challenges of this life that I neglected the things of God. And she knew I need to recalibrate my life, and she did, and so do we need to do the same. The question is so clear, will beauty transcend? And the answer is so clear, yeah, it will. If you recalibrate your life around the Savior and you receive the beauty of the gift of the Savior who is your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the one who saves you, today and for all eternity by covering your sins and removing that darkness, you will see beauty transcend even in the midst of the dark world in which we live. So I give that invitation to you this Christmas to recalibrate your lives and you might want to do it even in this given moment. So I'm going to invite you to stand and join me and even in your homes, if you're at home, I'm going to invite you to stand and join me in declaring again out loud these very same words we shared before. A savior has been born to me. Join me. A savior has been born to me. Again, a savior has been born to me. Now, would you whisper it? A savior has been born to me. Father, I know you hear our whisper. It's a whisper of gratitude for sending your son to save us. And someone here right now needs your wisdom. And someone here right now needs your super strength. 
And someone here right now needs your presence of love. And someone here needs the cushion of peace and the turbulence of life. And I know, oh Lord, someone here right now needs to be saved. And you are the one who has eyes to see and ears to hear, so hear this confession. And friends, as we come together here, I just say, if you, if you want to recalibrate your life around the Savior, take the hand off the steering wheel of your life and slide over and invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart right now, then say in your heart these words. Lord, I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead so that I will be saved. So I receive you, Jesus, as the Son of God and my Savior this Christmas Eve. Amen.